Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message. I hope that God will speak today through me to you and to this family, this congregation. Avinu Shabbat I do pray for your guidance and your wisdom today as we learn. I pray for your continued blessing upon each and every member of this congregation and ask that we leave here with some transformation of our heart, mind, and spirit. In Yeshua's name, amen. So, I always like to pick something from the Torah portion. I like to pick something about Yeshua. I like to pick something, you know, that's, that's relevant and biblical and awesome and try to go that way. Today, I've just returned from the Winter Leadership Conference of the Union for Messianic Jewish Congregations in Dallas, Texas. And so, it is incumbent upon me to share with you what... Hashem has revealed there. And at this exact moment, even if I didn't see it on your face, everyone's face and their body just settled back into the seat just a little bit, their ears began to check out and they're thinking, ah, nap. Thank you. Thank you. Let me get comfortable because this sounds like one of those kind of messages. No, I hope that we have something a little more exciting to talk about because does anyone ever really care when their leader goes to a leadership conference? Here's the way the conversation goes. How was it? It was fine. What happened? Oh, made some good connections. Did you learn some stuff? Yeah. Great. Shabbat shalom. (laughs) Does anyone really care? Well, today you care. Today you care, because at the UMJC conference this year, the the leadership conference, and to be honest with you, I don't even know if I'm supposed to share this stuff. Like, are you supposed to go as a leader to a leadership conference, take everything, absorb it, and then come home and just completely pour it out and transform everything without telling anybody what you learned? Just implement, implement. Maybe, but that's not the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to teach you about what I learned because it's so important and so relevant for us and our future. I met a pastor there named Carl Vaders. Carl Vaders, not Darth Vaders, but Carl Vaders. He's Darth Vaders' brother. (laughs) Carl Vaders wrote a book called The Grasshopper Myth. He's a pastor. And so much of the content that he was sharing was related to church and churches. So you'll hear me refer to churches some today. But The Grasshopper Myth is a book about a particular, the foundation of The Grasshopper Myth is something relevant to us, which is, can anyone name a place in the Torah where grasshoppers are relevant? The spies. They were also just relevant. They were called locusts, but they look like grasshoppers, so we could say that. But we're talking about Numbers 13. 
one of the greatest things that happens is when someone brings out one line of scripture that you've read and heard a thousand, 10,000 times, and you read it through their eyes and see something that's transformational for you. Numbers 13, the spies are sent in. Moses says, what'd you find out, guys? And they come back and say, let's do it, right? They say, you're nuts. These people are huge. We saw the sons of Anak there. We're not going in. There's no way we can do this. And the quote, the line is this from Numbers, Bamidbar, in the wilderness, Numbers 13, 33. We became like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and so we were in theirs. You get that already, I hope. We became grasshoppers in our own eyes, and so we were in theirs. Eleanor Roosevelt, great Torah sage. (laughs) Eleanor Roosevelt had this to say. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Man. Man. So, what is Carl Vader's book about? The grasshopper myth. Is it about your self-image? Is it about perspective? Is it about not being a grasshopper? It's a book about small churches. That's what the whole book is about. And what in the world is relevant about that? Well, take a look around. Take a look around because I have many, 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 many times. And what I'm going to share is it's partially Carl Vader's story, but it's relevant to us, very relevant, because his story kind of started out like this by saying, and it's always hard to communicate a speaker's story when you're the speaker and it's not your story, so bear with me one second. He came into a church that had been, that had been nearly were closing the doors, 10 pastors and five pastors in 10 years. And they came in and, and, and he said, I'll give it a shot. And his quote, which I loved, was, we spent the next seven years hugging and loving each other. And I thought back, there were many, many, many times when I saw faces from Macon, Georgia, while I was sitting in Dallas, Texas. And many times when I saw these purple seats and saw this building and saw the people that make up this community. And he said, after seven years of hugging and loving each other, I looked around and realized something. I am pastoring a healthy congregation. I am pastoring a successful congregation. And what's next? Now let's grow this thing. Let's start filling these seats. Let's get the budget up. Let's start working on numbers and theater and all the great things that come along with being a successful community. We must grow. 
And guess what? Didn't happen. They didn't not grow. They got started and they grew from 25 people to 100 people to 200 people to 400 people. And everything was like tracking down the path of success just the way it needed to be. And one month they had 400 people and three months later they were back to 50 people. Why? Because Carl Vader's had a moral failure? Why? Because the worship team left and nobody wanted to come anymore? No. It just changed. They were the cool thing for a little while. Or the pastor was meeting their needs for a little while. But then, on to the next thing. And now, rather than looking around and saying, I'm pastoring a healthy church, Carl Vader's looked around and said, I am an utter and absolute failure. Every single thing around me that defines success is telling me that I've gotten this horribly wrong. And so he said, I've got a healthy congregation. It's small. So what? So here's the apology. You ready for it? I look around and see and know what you've already known. What you participate in is a healthy, successful, happy, beautiful congregation of people who love God and love each other. And the apology is this. I too have been sucked into the lie of the world out there that says, if you don't have more butts in your seat and more dollars in your bank account and more programs and more space and more every other thing under the sun, then you're a failure. And I became a grasshopper in my own eyes. Thankfully, I don't think you guys saw me as a grasshopper yet. But thank God he brought me to this point of being able to see what's going on around and to have and reframe with proper perspective what success looks like in a community. So this is it, we're never gonna, no, growth, visitors, People coming and being a part of the family and, and yeah, maybe building a fellowship hall, maybe. Maybe expanding the worship team. Maybe, maybe doing some great things that I'm sure we would all enjoy. No, I'm not saying we're never going to do those things or that those are bad things or even that what big churches and mega churches say and do is necessarily bad. But it's for them. It's not for us. 
and it does not have to be. And you're saying to yourself, uh, duh, Damien, we don't have a 5,000 square foot amphitheater with fireworks and martial stacks. I realize that. But when you buy into a lie, when you buy into something that's yours not that's not yours to buy into, when you buy into a different mission than what God has called you for, you begin to see yourself as a grasshopper. Because comparison, which we've had entire sermons about, and the sages have talked about it, and our master Yeshua has talked about it, Comparison, in my opinion, is the root of all evil, and it will lead you one of two places, pride or envy. That's the only place you can go. Well, that's not true. I compare myself to others to, to, to rise up and become more. Okay, do it for a moment. But most of us compare constantly, and we see ourselves through eyes that we shouldn't see each other, see, see ourselves through. Because we are not to be compared to anyone. We are a healthy, awesome congregation of people. At nine o'clock this morning, we started a almost all in Hebrew prayer service in Macon, Georgia. On 26 acres of land in a beautiful synagogue that God basically dropped into our hands miraculously. And when we come together at 10.30, we've got people who are here at 9, and we have people who arrive at 10.30, and then we have my parents, where are they, who arrive at 11.45. And everything in between but there are smiles on people's faces. There are hugs, there's cohesion, there's unity. There's new people who are learning on this journey. There's been people, Orthodox Messianic Jews who've been doing this for 25 years. And we've created, God has created something small, healthy, and beautiful. And that's awesome and miraculous and great and terrific, but not but, and. It's a bad, you give somebody a compliment and they say, but that's the end of the compliment. All they're hearing now is the bad part that's coming next because no one says, Lawrence, I really like your beard, but um, the shirt, <laughs> what are you gonna go home? What are you gonna go home and say? Do you know what he told me today? He told me I had a nice beard. <laughs> nope, that's not what you're gonna go home and say. <laughs> the question is this, and I heard Carl Vader ask this question, and I asked it myself. I am leading a healthy congregation. What's next? Not where do I move, not what campaign is next. What's next? Where do we go from here? We've got this done. We are loving God and loving each other. We're having an impact in our community. I could list out some names of people just this week who are out in the community doing things. But there's one last thing that defines a healthy congregation. And that is equipping all of the people within it 
to do the things that God has called you to do. Now, there's this story that I love, and he shared a version of it, but I'll tell you the real story. There's this prince. He had nothing better to do other than learn how to shoot arrows. So he became a master archer, and he shot arrows, and he was great, and he could bullseye every time and all that. So he's traveling to a small town, and he's walking through the town, and he sees a barn. And along the barn are all these arrows perfectly grouped within all these bullseyes along the side of the barn. And he goes, this cannot be. Someone is better than me at archery? And he says, I want to know who shot those arrows. And the town says, oh, that's, that's Eliezer. He's over here. And out of the door walks Eliezer, an eight-year-old kid. And the prince says, you? Me what? You shot those arrows? Yes, I did. I want you to do it again. I want to see how you do it. And he said, no problem. And he grabbed his quiver and he filled it up and he took his bow and he stood across from the barn and he began to fire arrows one after the other. And the prince is standing there in awe as not one of them hit anywhere close to anything he was aiming for. And Eleazar then reached into the barn, took out a can of paint and a brush, and walked up to all the arrows and did this. Point of the story, shoot your arrows, see where they land, and then build your success around them. My question is this, and I asked it to myself, what do we do well here? What do we do well? What, is our, what are our greatest attributes? Well, of course it's the people, but that's easy. What do we do well From the time these doors opened in 2009, we have always known that our name was not chosen by chance, that God chose the name Nahamu Ami, Prophet Nahum, from comfort. One thing we do really well is hospitality. When people walk in this door, they know that they're cared for, that we care if they're here. Judy Coley, first time she came in the door in 2009, she said, I just melted with the sense of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying everyone who walked in the door had to feel that. I'm just saying it's something that we've always done well. Those are a grouping of our arrows, and we need to strengthen those things. So what does that mean? We need to all get matching shirts. We need to have name tags. I need to station everyone at places in the synagogue. Have the greeting team. We're going to sing you a song when you walk in because we're a mega church. No. It means we continue to be nice. We draw our bullseye around what we're good at. Now, Our own egg is an example of this, and this message is not about asking for money. But I am going to tell you this. We don't have a sponsor for next year's own egg. Okay? This year. This year. The own egg has been sponsored over the last couple of years. We don't have that sponsorship anymore. Own egg is something we must 
do. We bond together. We invite visitors there. It's a great time. It keeps us all here for study afterwards. I have a request for you. If you would be willing to add $20 to your tithe, and well, that assumes you're tithing, which I'm going to leave it at that. That's a different message. If you add $20, we will have double probably the sponsorship that we had last year for Oneg. We need our Oneg, okay? That's a given. So hear me making that request. It's not a lot. If you don't tithe, at least put $20 toward the Oneg and then ask God about tithing and he'll tell you some more. It's technically not a tithe. We're not in Jerusalem. We're not growing agriculture. We're bringing our offerings to God. Second thing, when I shoot our arrows and I look at where they land, do you know where they land in this place repeatedly? There's a bullseye that's been drawn around it and it's called discipleship in the form of education. We teach the word of God. We teach about who Yeshua is in his Jewish context as Messiah, as Jewish Jesus. We educate and God has given us an unbelievable platform of teachers to do that. David Higginbotham can teach well. Sam Trailer can teach. Lance Slater can teach. Darren Huckey can teach. And I'm sure there are others of you. I just don't know it yet. I like to think occasionally I can teach. So what are we going to do? We're going to bring in a news station, set up four cameras throughout the synagogue, set up the worship team and the fireworks and the martial stacks, and we are going to start promoting, buddy. That's for somebody else. Our job is to continue education, and so you will see more of it. Yes, we will post in places where people outside these walls can appreciate what God has given us within that's our gift. Those are two things, easy things. There are a hundred more, but you know where those hundred are? Waiting to see where your arrows land. When you draw back and fire at the barn door, what do you draw your bullseye around? And what can we do? How is it good for our small community? Because if you didn't hear me say it before, we're awesome. And the question becomes this, how do we do small well? How do we do small well without settling for less? And that depends on you. Well, no, it does not. You are the leader, you make the salary, you have the vision. I do have vision, and I do need to have vision as the leader of the congregation. I'm sharing some of it with you right now. But there's this big deal in communities, large churches, about a mission statement. What is your mission statement? I'd like to hear it. If I want to be a partner with you, I'll need to know the mission you're on. Interesting thing about Carl Vader's and missions. It's great to know where you're going. It's not great. It's necessary. It's an absolute. You need some vision. 
we actually spent a lot of time sitting down thinking through, and I brought in a number of members of the congregation in various leadership roles to talk about our mission a couple of years ago and all this and all that. Carl Vader's made this point. You know who a mission statement is primarily for? It's for a huge organization where there's a leader at the top who communicates a vision and a mission, and then he steps way back, and everybody else has to come in and do little jobs and committees and a big church where you've got 15 different associate pastors, and he's not at every meeting. And what, what's the purpose? The purpose is so that whatever they do, it never veers from the vision I mean, the mission statement that was created. Guys, we're, we're a small group. Like, we're, there are churches that have larger small group studies than we have. You don't need me to give you a mission statement that I've thought through and prayed over and plastered all over the walls and flash on the screen. The mission statement is love God, love each other, the great commission, and find something good to do that makes a difference in the world. If you want a mission statement, I'll give it to you. It's called tikkun olam, repair the world. It can be that simple. I'm not saying mission statements are bad. I'm not saying vision statements are bad. None of that. But this statement, find servants as leaders, because servants make, it's much easier to train a servant as a leader than it just is. So where does all this go, UMJC? Where this goes is this. You will not hear me say, <laughs> I wish there were more people here. <laughs> I wish the chairs were full. I wish... We're a healthy, vibrant community of believers. Some days the chairs will be full. Some days there'll be half as many people here as there are now. But when you peel away the layers and if you can define success away from numbers, which is where the entire world is focused, if you can define success that way in this congregation, we are off the charts. And I mean, even within Messianic Jewish synagogues, do you understand that? People in major metropolitan cities with, with millions of people who have 50 and 60 and in a large congregation, Messianic congregation, have 80 people. Now, it just so happens we're meeting at this we're meeting for this conference at the Messianic Synagogue in Dallas called Baruch Hashem, which is the largest Messianic synagogue in the United States. It looks like something, it's unbelievable, the facilities. And here's all these small leaders in there grouped in talking about success in small groups. But you know what? We got all we need. Well, Damien, that sounds like an excuse to like become stagnant. Small does not give any excuse for stagnancy. As a matter of fact, it's, a, it's, it's more important 
that we all come together to take up the vision. What is the vision? Well, I just told you, shoot some arrows. What are you good at? Talk to me. Let's see what we can do. And so someone hears me say, well, sounds like he's giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not being a grasshopper anymore because I could care less how anyone defines us out there. I will not be a grasshopper in my own eyes that someone else may see me as one, neither shall you. No one has the opportunity to make you feel inferior without your consent. Never forget that. Teenagers, never forget that. Adults, never forget that because we struggle with it forever. Jethro last week talked about Moses, uh, uh, what's the word? Delegating, delegating. You can't delegate until you equip. And so we're gonna focus ourselves in deep on equipping people within this congregation to do what they need to do. What they want to do, not need, it's not an obligation. What you wanna do, what you're good at what you do well. And yes, I want to grow. I want to build. I'm overjoyed to see these new faces in the synagogue this week. And old faces that we, not old like that, you know, faces that we don't get to see that often. I'm overjoyed. I want to grow. I want to build. I want to invest. I'd love to have a facility like like Baruch Hashem. But more than a mission statement, we need an action plan. God gave you a vision, and you know what's different? You might do the same thing that 10 million people have done before, just the same thing, but it's not you doing it. And when God breathed life into you, he also breathed into you purpose and ability. So let's grab hold of it. I finally... Can see clearly now the size issue is gone. No, no. I, 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 one of the things that I was worried about as I was putting this message together is, wow, congregation is going to listen to this and think, man, he must have been really miserable here thinking. No, not at all. I've loved it. I just thought the wrong way. And I communicate my thoughts to you so that you can kind of know and see where my heart and where my vision is and know that I am totally with you and for you and have always been and will be within these walls and without. We are not grasshoppers. We are tigers. LSU tiger. No. <laughs> no. You know, I don't, I don't know what animal we are. It doesn't really matter. This isn't the Chinese New Year. We are a healthy, thriving, beautiful, awesome, miraculous, small congregation. Baruch Hashem. Shabbat Shalom. We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. 
If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening.